Welcome to Guitar Radio Show, the show dedicated to the guitar player, guitar maker, gear builder, and purveyors of such items that you may not know about, but should. Here's your host, Mark Davin. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 161 of Guitar Radio Show, and a very happy new year to all of you. Um, we have a, an amazing guest today, a great way to start off 2017, and uh, that is with Mr. Tony McAlpine. We have a in-depth conversation about his entire career. We talk a lot about his discography uh, right up to his latest release. Um, and we talk about his gear, of course, and everything else. So it's a, it's a really good conversation with a virtuoso guitar player. Um, we are getting ready to start a new year, and... Uh, I got to tell you, when Guitar Radio Show began airing in 2012, its purpose was to turn on the guitarists uh, that, you know, people that you didn't know, but you should because of their unique qualities of all the all musicians possess. I mean, everybody possesses some sort of unique quality. As the show developed, though, uh, we never expected that it would grow in the way it has. Uh, we're thrilled that it has, but we never expected that. Uh, nor would we end up speaking with giants of rock, metal, blues, jazz, and country, and as well as experimental guitar music. Uh, I'm not going to drop any names here. <laughs> but with that came uh, outside influences saying, do this, now you got to do that. And after a while, I started to feel like as though I was on a treadmill of making those influences happy because it was what I was supposed to do next. It began to take the spirit out of what was originally intended down a notch or two for me. Um, I seriously thought about hanging it up. Um, but then I looked back over the last five years, and that guitar radio show had been able to help promote musicians' projects and careers, procure uh, endorsement deals, and even uh, help artists secure record deals, which is really what Guitar Radio Show's concept was from the very start. Uh, it, you know, it was something that I wish I would have had back when I was playing mu- music full time, and uh, you know, I felt it was time to get back to the egg. So, I'm happy to announce that Guitar Radio Show has been working on a syndication arrangement that will mature over the coming year, uh, if everyone plays nice. Uh, which means, from this point on, Guitar Radio Show will be commercial free uh, at all of our regular online locations worldwide, including GuitarRadioShow.com. But if you hear it on terrestrial radio, you will probably hear ads. So just letting you know about that. We will be getting back to our roots and highlighting guitarists you may not know, but certainly should. We will, of course, be talking with our our and your heroes of both playing and gear and be dipping back into what we call what we now can call archives, which is very cool at this point after five years. And this way we can turn on new listeners to what we've done and giving the loyals a look back. I can't thank everyone enough of the people that have been involved with this show. I can't give them enough praise for all they've done and continue to do. And to the faithful listeners who have been uh, tuning in from all over the planet, it's amazing to me. Uh, When you made suggestions, we listened and heeded your words. Like I said in episode one, this is not my show. This is everyone's show, and we want everyone's input. And so far, so good. Thank you all. I really appreciate it. Uh, Beyond that, 
Um, I'm getting ready to play some more music live out in the world again, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm getting ready to do more uh, movie music in 2017 and 2018, which is really exciting. And um, Adam Hunt and I, and you all know Adam from the show, uh, he and I are researching a book that he and I have been talking about for oh, quite a few years now about writing and we're beginning the research pro- the process on that. So the, the year, the new year and the years to come uh, look bright and shiny and I'm really happy about it and I'm glad I get to share it with all of you. Um, and that's what we're going to do. So you ready? Let's do some, uh, let's hear a little bit of Tony McAlpine from his latest disc and then we're going to get right into the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. And here we go. Guitar Radio Show. GuitarRadioShow.com people our next guest here on guitar radio show uh is a guitar player that i've been following since 1987 i think was the first time i heard him and uh i'm amazed at his chameleon-like nature and i want to talk to him a little bit about that we have mr tony mcalpine how are you tony i'm doing fine mark yeah it's a pleasure to be here and talk with you great to have you on man thanks um where do I start with you? Um, <laughs> yeah, I have, I, you should see that. You should see my notes. There's, there's just so much going on there. Um, I, I, I've been listening to you since, uh, I guess, since that Edge of Insanity record, um, and it's amazing to hear how you've changed over the years. But at the same time, you've brought with you. Your essence, if you will. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, it sure does. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I was listening to um, Concrete Gardens, and it seems to me that it's it's like a it's like a conglomerate of all you've done thus far. You know, there's a there's a little bit of 1986 in there. There's some, you know, there's uh, there's 2000. You know, went with with the Cab Records. You know, and right. and and 2011, where you, where you got this the, these you know started working. I think you started working with the seven strings right around that time, right? Um, yeah, that was Planet X. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like it's all it's all slamming into each other and creating something new. Like for example, like Napoleon's puppet. It's like yeah. Whoa. Holy crap! That is like it's it's really mind blowing. It's one of those it's one of those records you walk away. One of those songs you walk away and you go, "Wow, there goes all my gray matter." Now what? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm glad you dig it. Yeah, man, that's a great track. So, uh, do you feel like there's been this conglomerate over the years? Like, it, it, or do you leave stuff behind and say, "No, that was then. This and this is now." Um. Yeah, I think um, for the most part. Um, when I'm composing 
making these records. Uh, there's, uh, well, I mean, each, each, each record that I write, it's definitely it's new compositions for each, um, you know, each, each, each release. There's nothing really left over from anything else. But, well, you know, we're starting to get into um, a style of playing now where um, I'm incorporating, you know, playing the guitar and the keyboard simultaneously yeah. more than ever. And so with that, it's taking us down a different direction, um, which will be more evident on the newer record, um, which we're working on now. And but um, with this last record, yeah, there's more of a, you know, there's some, as you put it, yeah, they, they almost feel like throwbacks to, um, like Concrete Gardens itself, that particular track feels, um, um, you know, there's clever changes uh, and, and modulations on it that weren't really used back in the 80s. I wasn't really doing that, but some of the, um, you know, the verses, um, yeah, had some of the um, motif design of things mm-hmm. like the taker and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can you can sort of feel that. And that, and that was, yeah, very intentional because, you know, you definitely want these records to have a sound like it's the same player. Um, yeah. And whatever changes that you do make, they have to be a very gradual approach. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Do you think that, the, um, that well, I mean, here's a question. Does, does technology inspire you? Um, yeah, it definitely does. I mean, but I think that, um, you know, I was always, I was always wanting to record um, alone and by myself. Yeah, since the very first records we did, because that, that was the biggest um, hurdle to get used to. I mean, coming from a small town and writing all those demos yourself, and then going to a studio and recording with um, Billy Sheehan and Steve Smith on your first record, and you were in a studio with thousands of people, and you know everybody's around. So it was a little bit different, and I really like the idea of where technology is at now. Where yeah. since the '90s, I've always operated a studio, and that's where I've recorded all of my stuff, even today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I. I was really happy to see the you know the computers come along, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so really, it's just you and and another engineer, and it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's much better that way. So it's like it's it's like uh, it's like technology caught up with your brain almost. Exactly, and and, and the thing is, um, the reason why is uh, I, I like it so much is because you know you might not be creative in a particular work day, uh, yeah. that, uh, time slot that you might have. Um, booked out in the studio and that has happened you know mm-hmm. I, I would have much rather not work that day and just go for a motorcycle ride or go sit at Starbucks all day or anything or go to the beach right. and come back when you have something and that's what you can do now you know so I think that yeah that technology has really helped that creativity yeah for sure one of the things I've always noticed about at, at, through through everything that you've done um you know, is your is your picking style? I always find it fascinating. The stuff that you did with, on the edge of insanity, like um, like the witch and the priest, the the picking technique on there, and and even the picking on the uh, first cab record, um, the track uh, one for Stern. Um, okay. The the, the yeah. you, you have this very sharp, uh, almost digging style on some of the picking. Uh, it's 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 aggressive. Um, was that a, was that a, uh, was that a, just a, um, a natural course for you or was that, uh, really thought out? No, I think it's just, 
I don't think it, yeah, it's nothing that I've, you know, conceived of and said, yeah, I'm going to have this stuff. But, you know, a lot of it really is, it was a combination of of the muting and the combination where the pick, it, there was more of an emphasis on the pick when I wanted to sound that way. Mm-hmm. I don't really pick that hard. I never break strings. Uh, and I can use a set of strings on a tour for a lot of, a lot of days. Yeah. So they, they don't really get beat up, but it's really, um, it wasn't really a concept. Uh, like where I wanted to have this style, but you know the players that I used to listen to when I was coming on, you know, you know, like Alfie Miola and all those guys, you know, were, were you know great pickers, you know. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't really, you couldn't really listen to that stuff and learn it, uh, you know, if you didn't, you know, pick. So I think that that's where I started to get the the, the pick from, and and I used to play acoustics all the time, and that really in, influenced me with um, developing. Uh, you know, uh, inside picking, outside picking up, uh, sure. good, you know, just, sure. yeah, good understanding of that platform. Sure, and that, that explains a lot, actually, in, in regards to uh, you using an acoustic guitar would would really demand that you pick cleanly and precisely, yeah. um, because otherwise, it, you know, every every clunker is going to be heard. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, you know. that's the truth. Yeah, yeah, and the guitars that I used to have... Uh, a long time ago weren't very good guitars so <laughs> you know yeah yeah you really have to really get at it yeah so you know you were you were playing violin and piano at five and when you moved over to guitar at the age of 12 did you feel that having that behind you made it um created an ease of moving from one to the other Or was it, you know, starting over? Well, I think I think the violin was definitely um, the reason why I liked guitar. Yeah. I didn't like the violin because the front, my hands are, you know, they're not small. And, um, the, you know, obviously the fretboard on, on, you know, the whole neck on the violin is very small. Yeah. I was always uncomfortable playing it. Yeah. But when I, when I got to use the guitar, it just was being, I was more at home. Right. Um, I think it was a direct influence, um, and that's really got me into, um, you know, the whole um, improvising um, thing on the on, on the on the guitar. Right. Uh, you know, because I wasn't really improvising really that much on the piano, not in that style. I mean, I would improvise classical things, you know, motifs and different things like that. But I really wasn't, you know, that into really just uh, you know improvising on, yeah. on, on the keyboard. So the guitar, the guitar and the violin were definitely the Starting point. Yeah. You, it wasn't you, really hard for me to switch over. It, it, which I really got a great foundation of the technique from the violin. Yeah. Are you away from the phone now? Because it sounds like you're far away. Oh, is this better? Oh, much, much better. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, do you do you improvise on the phone on the on the phone? <laughs> do you improvise on the piano now? Um, not as much. Not really. I mean, I play the piano as a you know, as a, I, I read a lot of classical music and, and a lot of literature, so I, I can play piano for hours and hours reading this literature and learning some different things, you know. But um, when it comes to guitar, it's really, um, at this point, in, in these days, it's really, um, from a compositional standpoint, you know, I will write something and, and then I'll improvise these things out and develop them and work on them in the studio. Mm-hmm. And 
and that's how the time is spent really on it. It's not really spent the same way. I can play piano for hours and hours and hours and hours, but it doesn't really, that it never really occurs with a guitar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now you, you, you live in California now, and uh, yes. but you grew up in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, was there, you know, I'm always interested in geography, in the geography of the player. What was okay. what was in your surroundings that um, inspired you or or influenced you? Um, by surroundings, you mean? Um, well, growing up in, in yeah, growing up in your neighborhood, like in the, in the neighborhood I grew up, you know, everybody was listening to Zeppelin and the Beatles, you know. So when you moved away from, or didn't move away, but moved to guitar, was there a singular guitarist that that said you were like, I, I want to play guitar? You know, not really. I mean, because uh, I was listening to like a lot of different players. You know, I, I really liked uh, Johnny Winter a lot and George Benson, and mm-hmm. you know, in early in early Holdsworth records that you know were hard to find, like Gong and Slot Machine and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I liked all that kind of stuff and uh, fusion. I was listening to Jean Lepani records because yeah. uh, you know he's a violinist, and I love violin. Yeah. So I was listening to all of his stuff, yeah. all the records. I had them all, and um, I heard Holdsworth on you know Animatic Ocean and Daryl Sturmer, and the, you know, I thought that was amazing. I listened to um, a lot of Gino Vanelli. Um, the Brother to Brother to record was amazing with Carlos Rios. You know, there were so many different things that I was you know, listening to as well as, you know, as well as rock and, you know, the, the rock stuff and, yeah. and the metal stuff. And, yeah. But I, I'd say single-handedly that the, 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 the turning point probably was listening to um, Randy Rhodes. Hmm. With, um, yeah, with, um, you know, Ozzy Osbourne. And, and I think that that was really when I, I decided, you know, I'd like to, you know, give this a shot and get out of my hometown. <laughs> you know? Well, it worked. And, Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was funny how I ended up, um, you know, when I came out to California, I became friends with a lot of people and went to a lot of different, um, you know, events and parties and different things, you know, kind of um, network. Sure. And I saw, um, yeah, I became friends with Craig Goldie and and he left um, Project Driver and I ended up playing in the same rhythm section that Randy played with Tommy Aldridge and, and Rudy Sarzo. But that was kind of weird. Yeah, that is that is kind of trippy. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were talking about the, some of the fusion artists you, you used to listen to. I'm I'm a big fusion head. I love fusion, and um, yeah, I, and I really dig the cat the cab records because of the obviously they were they were fusion. They were jazz records to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, was was that? I mean, you've you've done so many different things. And you've played in so many different styles. Is uh, what what kind of was that something that was like a release for you? It was like I got to do something like this. I want to go. Was it something you always wanted to do? 
think it was, um, you know, playing with Dennis Chambers and Benny Burnett was an amazing moment. It was a, it was a cool time. Um, um, and, um, you know, being able to put that stuff together and, you know, and come out with, a, you know, you know the, the record we did, the uh, Grammy-nominated record, was really an amazing achievement for uh, everybody involved on it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really amazing. I didn't look at it really like it was an escape because, I, you know, I've always been into all kinds of different styles. Right. Um, I really have, but I think the most challenging, probably of all those styles, was uh, the, the Planet X days. Um, because then I, I wasn't really writing all of the stuff by myself, you know? I mean, Virgil Donati, the drummer, was really writing a lot of stuff, and Derek was writing a lot of stuff, and we were contributing as a team. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff that we did on that fusion level, you know, was really, I listen to it now, and it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thinking the stuff that we did. Oh, yeah. Compared to what's out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the odd meters and, the, you know, playing off the bar lines and, you know, all these things that we just did in every song that, that, that we that we play. Oh, yeah. I thought was, uh, it was a real test. It was great stuff. I just, I love it. I, it and it's, it's, um, I don't know. I've I've always uh, equated it to feel good music. It just feels good when you hear it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like the yeah. um, the track the track the Watcher. Yeah, I really dig that tra- right. track. It reminds me of it reminds me a little bit of uh, some old Jeff Lauber. You oh, okay. Yeah, a little okay. a little yeah. bit. You know, you know, Jeff didn't have a whole lot of guitar. It was mostly keys, but. Um, right. But yeah, it had that that kind of a vibe. But real, it was it was interesting because for it to come out when it did, I mean, it came out in what was it, two thousand? I think it came out. Um, which record? Which which one? The Cab record, the first Cab record. Yeah, that's about what it came out. Two thousand, right? So, so that whole yeah. that type of fusion was already gone in, in many respects from from you know more of a mainstream place. You know, the, the, Al Dimiola had already had his heyday, and and uh, Jean Luponti and Jeff Beck's Wired album, and all those records were, you know, those mid to late seventies uh, fusion records. And here was this thing come along, and I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. This is what I've been yeah. waiting for. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, Bonnie really is um, really steeped in, you know, the whole, you know, Chikoria. You know, yeah. and you know, yeah, having, yeah. having play bass with him and um, and Dennis Chambers, you know, yeah. guys, you know, the players and the history, uh, uh, it, it all came to the table. Yeah. With, with, uh, it was evident in the, in the compositions. Yeah, so I'd, I would, and when I, after I heard that, I was just, man, I'd love to hear Tony play with uh, Gambali. Mm. That would be a trip, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's never happened. Um, <laughs> We've definitely been in the same place um, together. Yeah, you know, at, at different times. But yeah, um, yeah he's he's quite a player too. Yeah, I love his playing. Um, going way back when you when you uh, I had Mike Varney on the show, uh, I guess about six months ago or so, and uh, you know he 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 cites you as one of those people that uh, inspired him. You know, by your the way you played and how you were. Um, what was oh, your really? yeah? What was your relationship like as far as in the studio? Um, you know, Mike is just really an incredible musician and really, um, really understands the you know the, the construction of 
of how to put you know how to put these records together. Yeah. He's a really wonderful producer and knows how to you know he worked with so many of these guitar players. You know, he really surrounded himself in such a community of all these players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, just working with him was really natural. Then it was really just like hanging out with a friend. Yeah. Really, it wasn't really anything really hard to do. It just um, we always he understood the music. He, li- he listened to the demos, you know, long enough to know where what would make the songs better, what players could be really be used on the records to, to, to bring out the most of you know what what, what the goal was. And uh, yeah, he really always had that um, that net, a net for that. Yeah, he. Uh, I've always I've said this dozens of times, but he he has golden ears. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He really, he really knows how to listen. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I had to, I had to really think about that. I said, man, the guy must really know how to listen to be able to bring and also spot all this talent. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, for instance, on the Maximum Security record, we had you know Dean Castronovo playing yeah. drums and Anur, you know, playing, playing, and, and and George Lynch and you know Jeff Watson, just an incredible mixture of them. Um, Musicians that normally wouldn't play yeah. um, together, yeah. and re- to really make it come together in, in, in a cohesive um, effort on a record like that is really an achievement. Mm. So, do you do you still practice? Well, I mean, I spend time, you know, actually uh, writing more than, than than practicing. You know, you don't really have to go. It's like I always say, it's like English. You know speaking English, you don't have to go back and learn, you know, mm-hmm. you know, practice um, sentence fragments and, you know, and vowels and all these things. You mm-hmm. just, once you understand that, you, you got it. It's really the same thing. Uh, but I spend time really now um, composing and working in studios and if I, if there's anything that I'm practicing, it's usually on a tour, there might be, if we are doing a particular track, a song that has a part that might be demanding, I might have to practice that part. Right. Because, uh, you know, and get that together. But they, no, I don't really sit. I don't do the same thing. You know, like I used to, when I was younger, I used to watch TV and play all the time, but the guitar, I don't really do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find myself still doing that just from a dexterity standpoint. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Um, That's great. Um, so when, when you're, I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I've seen you play live, and, um, you know, it, there are times where your solos will go off the reservation in regards to you know what you, what was originally on the record, but the the thematic aspect is still there. Um, so it's it's interesting when you're when you're recording, are a lot of your solos kind of off the cuff, or is there a planning for that? consider the solo the least important part of this, this song because I think the whole statement of the way the song was put together and the melody line and the you know mm-hmm. the parts are mm-hmm. the most are the most defining factor mm-hmm. so the solo is I usually just pick a day when I I'm thinking freely and it's usually at night you know and I try to do as many solos as I possibly can mm-hmm. and just I just pick the solo that has the best feel or really you know what? What, it, what, it, what it's really all about. Where, where the song is going. It's not just in a short form. It's just uh, some kind of um, explanation of the song musically. Mm-hmm. You know, is if you, you. But it really has to have parts that are fit in with where, where the song was was going and where the song takes you to. 
Um, that, that's pretty much what I do. I don't really, yeah, it's definitely not anything really formed out. It's really just a lot of improvisation. Yeah. Um, I saw you with, um, with Vi and Sheehan and it was Dave Weiner, I think, right? And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> and, and who was on drums? Well, we had two different um, drummers, but at first it was um, Virgil Donati, and then it was um, Jeremy Colson, who's in the band now. Okay, I think I saw. It. I think I saw it with Jeremy. Um, yeah. Um, that's an interesting. I mean, when I when I saw that that was happening, I was like, I've got to see this. This is something. I'm, I mean, when are we going to see something like this again? I got to see this. Um, yeah. And it was. I mean, you're playing keys and you're playing guitar, and and which was blowing my mind that you were doing both at the same time. That was kind of tripping me out. Um, <laughs> when when you put all of you together like that, um, obviously it's kind of like Steve's leading the charge, I guess. But uh, is is it is there is there a room for collaboration? thinking to myself, gee, I wonder what is the, what has been the most satisfying musical experience for him? Because you've done so many different types of things and worked in so many different ways within a band, within, as a hired gun, as a performer, you know, what, what, what would you say is probably the most, or or has that happened yet? No, I'd say just collectively everything, just being involved, you know, in music and, and uh, I'm really happy that um, I, when I went to school, I was a music major, and I'm able to, uh, you know, make that my, um, you know, my life's work. So I think I think collectively everything, you know, is uh, is a, a defining and, and a happy moment for me because um, they, without without any one of them, it wouldn't be you know the next thing. So it's, it's really 
it's just a great um, fun thing for me to to look back and and all the different things that I've done are so different, really. Yeah. And they're you know they're, they're they're very diverse, and I mean, I just think it's um it's I'm happy um when I, when I look back and and um if I really look back too much because I'm always trying to create and write something new mm-hmm. <laughs> like this new record. So, um, and there's many other things that I do outside of, you know, the realm of really, uh, you know, um, just uh, uh, outside of the realm of what I, I might be um, recognized for. Um, but, you know, I'm working in France with Michel Palmer after French Legend, and we're still doing that tour, and um, we'll be doing that till um, December. And that wraps up, and I was doing that since 2007. So, uh, and that's a another thing so it's being able to play in all these different styles is something I really like very much and yeah. um, and, and different and, and different um, you know influences you know the feeling that French um, you know influences is very important yeah. so all of those things really um, they come to the table for me when it comes time to be able to um, compose because I have such um, wonderful experiences that I can bring that to the studio yeah, well, like I, like I said at the opening of the show, you know, you, you really it's interesting because I I can never it's it, it's there when I hear your records, your solo records, I'm like, okay, that's him. But when you're doing other stuff with other people, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on there? Who's who's that? So it's it's kind of yeah. interesting. You have this chameleon thing going on. Um, yeah, right, right. Well, you know, you have to. It has to, some of these other things that you do, they call for a particular different style of play. And, you know, you have to, it, what might have worked with one style isn't going to work with the, with the next thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you really have to be able to adapt that, you know, as you know. Yeah, and so that's what happens. Um, I, I enjoy that too, yeah. um, being able to come in and have a completely different feel. Yeah. Like, for instance, with a cab record or, you know, or, you know, maximum security. Yeah. Um, and, and then, as opposed to, uh, no, the Planet X records. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which are yeah, like left turns, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so there's a new record in the works. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a new record in the works. We're um, working very hard at that, and um, we hopefully next three or four months we should have it finished. And it's going to have Achilles Priest to run the record, um, and be uh, on line on bass. Mm-hmm. So I was, yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I was curious. I was on TonyMcAlpine dot com, and uh, folks, go go check it out. Um, the uh, there's a section in there about your gear, and it shows your. It just shows your whole signal chain, and it's interesting. It's so simple. Is it always? Yeah. Is it always like that? Yeah. Um, well, no, it wasn't, but. The amplifiers that I use these days, the, I use using Ketten Core Blades. Yeah. Um, they have all the compression and, and, and effects built into the head now. Uh, okay. head, so, so I don't really have to have a lot of stuff on the floor, which interrupts the signal chain. Sure. So yeah, it's, it's really just it's a volume pedal and a wah pedal and uh, a, a, a source audio multi-wave distortion that I use for different colors. And uh, yeah, it's really about the only things that are really on there. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's so simple. I was looking at, it, I was going, man, this is amazing. And then sometimes I see people out there, you know, they're tap dancing across their pedal board, and uh, you know, and hearing what yeah. you, hearing what you what you do and the sounds that, the sound that you make, I thought for sure there'd be a lot more complicated 
uh, signal chain. No, I was a really traditional old school player anyway. I mean, I was into still am like guys like Jeff Beck and John Schofield. But, yeah. You know, just plug it in and pretty much go. Yeah, but, for sure. you know, the, without a lot of stuff on the floor, there's a lot less things that can happen, you know, wrong in a show. So we, we've been lucky. We have never had anything really go down. And, and we can use different heads, you know, on tour because, the, you know, you download everything every single aspect of the amp sound to, the, to a memory stick and right. you just put the next place and put the memory stick in and you still have the same sound so that's, that's a really brilliant thing that is brilliant once again the the, yeah. the, uh, the technology caught up with your brain yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> wow so will there be uh, will there be a tour with the new record or oh absolutely yeah absolutely yeah we um, we um, we're gonna finish um we have a few shows to do, uh, so playing in Mexico um, after um, after the New Year, uh-huh. and um, you know we um, have some other things on the table that we're going to do. We haven't solidified those yet, but the, the main thing is finishing the new record and getting out there and touring again. Yeah, so, it, I was blown. I was blown away when you were here last in Austin. Uh, oh yeah, okay. You played. You played at the Saxon Pub. Okay. Which totally tripped me out because I was like, Tony McAlpine in this room? I mean, it's a great sounding room. It's probably okay. one, it's probably one of the best sounding rooms in, in Austin. Um, but I just was like, oh my God, he's going to punch holes in the walls. <laughs> is, is that that place that looks like it's wood? It's yeah, wood? yeah, that's the place. Yeah, yeah, I remember that place. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> it's a great sounding room, right? I mean, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Willie Nelson still plays there. Yeah, I, I like the acoustics of the place a lot. Yeah, it really sounds great. It's a very warm sounding room. But I was yeah, blo- I was yeah. blown away that you were in a room like that. I was like, this is going to be wild. <laughs> I think we had a we had a Bill and Arrows band playing. Uh, yeah, open the show, and it was like it was like a thousand guitar players in that band. <laughs> all trying to get up there yeah on that small stage yeah <laughs> it's pretty crazy yeah. sure. well i gotta tell you man i'm really looking forward to the new record and um and and the tour well, thank you very much mark you think you're gonna come to austin again oh i know we will definitely no, that'd be great definitely. yeah i would look forward to seeing you again and uh, and maybe i get to meet you which would be great all right for sure well tony thanks sure. so much for being on the show i greatly appreciate it man Okay, you have a great day, and we'll speak with you soon. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Check out Guitar Radio Show on Facebook, Twitter, Google, Instagram, and Tumblr. And, of course, on GuitarRadioShow.com. New episodes of Guitar Radio Show air Wednesdays on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podplay, Player FM, Podomatic, and of course on GuitarRadioShow.com. GRS Productions.